like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. We've got a delightful mix of music and lyrics coming up from today's Song of the Soul guest, Micah Summersmith. Micah blends styles that are akin to other young indie or hip-hop performers that you might know with accordion-esque and bluegrass and with a notable component of the church music from the Methodist Church where he is music director. You'll find thoughtful, provocative lyrics, whatever the genre is he's playing. Micah Summersmith joins us by phone today from eastern Wisconsin, a small town called Princeton. Micah, I'm so very pleased to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Thank you very much for having me. This has been some years in the coming. I forget exactly when it was that my son, Chris Judkins Fisher, recommended that I have you on. I hadn't heard you sing, I don't think, back then. How is it the two of you are connected? Well, we met at the youth program of the Friends General Conference annual gathering. I attended the gathering throughout high school and some into college fairly regularly, and he was another attender. So that's how we met. We were sort of part of the same group of friends. So I'm glad that he saw something in me to pass on to you. Have you always been into music? Absolutely. My parents basically said that music of some kind was going to be mandatory. For my brother and my sister and me, we all took piano lessons as kids. That was not an option. And we all started in fifth grade in the school band. We could choose whatever instrument we wanted to play, but we would be playing something. So I started piano at about age eight. I started playing trumpet and then switched to euphonium in fifth grade and played that through high school. I started playing guitar in about junior high, and that was also when I started actually writing songs. Since then, I've been fairly active as a songwriter. So you said guitar, and post-guitar, is, isn't there one more instrument you want to add in? Yes, thank you for reminding me, because uh, because actually the instrument right now that's probably most bound up in my music making is the accordion. I started playing accordion in high school, about junior year, and I've been playing since then, basically just teaching myself. I started playing the accordion before I moved to Wisconsin, and I may have had the general idea of, you know, oh, Wisconsin, they love their polka and their cheese and their beer and their Green Bay Packers, but... That was not any motivating factor. And when I did move to Wisconsin, I found that, yes, I play at an outdoor flea market once a week during the summer. 
And I'm always amazed at how many people come up to me and, you know, oh, I played the accordion or my aunt played the accordion, my uncle played accordion. Most people in Wisconsin have an accordion in their attic or in their basement. Accordions should not be stored in attics or basements, by the way. They should be, <laughs> um, they shouldn't be stored at all. They should be played regularly. But yeah, the heritage here is really strong. And I actually don't play a huge ton of that kind of music. I have a few polkas, but not a lot. I play a lot of hymn tunes. I play a lot of sort of contradance type, you know, reels and jigs. I play some European music in my own compositions, but the polka is not the center of my repertoire. But whenever I play one at the flea market, most people are delighted. Some people get really annoyed because just as there are people who love accordions, there are, of course, even and maybe especially in Wisconsin, people who hate accordions, uh, which, you know, there's a time for evangelism, but you just you can't reach everybody. So if I encounter someone who is not an accordion fan, I just I move on. <laughs> There is a lot of childhood wounding that goes on with certain instruments. Yes. I think some people get it from banjos, by the way. It's just some people love it, but some people it's like, oh no, not one of those clanging things, you know. I was actually played in a duo with a friend of mine who played the banjo, and so we were an accordion and banjo duo. And uh, I think we were pretty good, and it was a lot of fun. But yeah, it was definitely like, what are we doing? Like, really? This is the, <laughs> these are the two instruments. All we needed was to get a bagpipe player to make it a trio, and we would have been untouchable. And now we've given all the listeners the impression that maybe accordion is all they're going to hear. And that's only one facet of your musical persona. Could you talk about the other sides, choirs and uh, such things? Sure. So in addition to being a songwriter and wandering accordion player, I'm a church musician. I work at a United Methodist Church and I direct the choir and I play piano for the services. And I studied choir directing in college. I never sang in choirs before starting college through high school. Like I mentioned before, I did band and I did my own stuff, but I never did choir. I just, for the heck of it, said, when I started college, I said, I'll try out for the choir, try new things. That's what college is for, right? Try new things. So I auditioned for the choir and I got in. And then I auditioned for the Madrigal Singers, which was a select smaller choir. And I got into that too. And I found that this music was absolutely incredible. We, I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but the power of singing in a group is really something that there's not much else like it. It's an extremely powerful experience. And that's also what led me to sacred harp singing or shape note singing, which is similar to but also extremely different from choral singing in that it's a bunch of people get together and sing a cappella. It's not a performance. It's just a social and participatory thing. And we sing out of these really old tune books. And it's this incredibly powerful experience. So why don't we start out with an example, shape note singing or sure. sacred harp singing as it's known. What would you like to share? Well, I brought a song called China. China is the name of the tune and it's from the practice of just giving their tunes names after whatever. There's tunes called Poland and Africa and Russia. China was written by Timothy Swan in 1801 from words by the uh, great English hymn writer Isaac Watts. 
let's take a listen and then I'll tell you a little bit about why I chose this one. are written by Isaac Watts. It's called China, and the music was by Timothy Swan. And it's recorded at the Hennigar Union Sacred Harp Convention. And it's from the Awake My Soul soundtrack album. So what's your connection to that album, to the convention, and to that whole tradition? Well, Awake My Soul is a film which is about sacred harp, shape note singing, and for anybody who just listened to that and thought, I have to learn more about this, that's a really good place to start. It's an excellent documentary. And the soundtrack includes a lot of that singing. So I don't know anything specifically about the Henniger Union Sacred Harp Convention, other than, as we heard, it's got some great singers. But the song itself, the tune, China, I learned when I started singing with a regular Sacred Harp group in Dayton, Ohio. And it's a monthly group. And this song, China, was the song that they sang as a memorial whenever anyone close to the group had passed away. And the text, which is not always easy to understand from the recording, but the text says, the first verse at least is, why do we mourn departing friends or shake at death's alarms? Tis but the voice that Jesus sends to call us to his arms. And so it's about death and it's about resurrection and it's about Jesus's death and resurrection as an assurance to all of us. 
And the musically, it's extremely powerful. Singing it is an extremely powerful experience, especially when you're singing it in honor of someone who has just passed. Singing this song and other songs from the book have been an extremely powerful experience for me and illustrate what a lot of people say about Sacred Harp singing, which is, yes, these songs are religious songs, they're Christian songs, but a lot of people say Sacred Harp singing is my religion, rather than being an expression of particular religious beliefs. The actual practice of singing itself is their religious practice. And that's the case for me as well. I mean, I also attend a church and a Quaker meeting, and I work at a church, but this kind of very experiential practice of singing, it's a physical bodily sensation with other people all brought together to sing this. It's an incredibly powerful experience. And I think in a lot of churches, there's not a lot of emphasis on experience. We talk about faith, we talk about scripture, we talk about belief, we talk about reading the Bible. We don't talk about the physical experience of religion. And this is one way that that experience is made very, very real for me and for many other people is through these singings. Well, let's get some more of your music and keep on going through your song of the soul, Micah. Yeah, so this next song called The Body Knows grew out of that actual experience from Sacred Harp singing. And the idea that what turns people off from religion often is, well, you know, there's no proof. You can't prove any of this. You know, faith is by definition unprovable. And my realization was that, well, no matter whether you have the proof or not, the body knows, and the experience that you have is an actual experience. So we can go ahead and listen to this song called The Body Knows. And it's by Micah Summersmith. new atheisms day by day armed and armored with hard facts unassailable but facts from yesterday get modeled by new facts today and any lasting truth seems ever unavailable and so the brain doubts the brain complains and the brain explains away but the body knows oh the body knows the body Adaptation for plain old chemicals And the brain can spot the fake In what you swore was real Reveal the trick Behind the tiniest of miracles 
but still the body dances, the body weeps, and the body cries, amen, because the body knows, the body knows, the body The body knows that it will live again someday, somehow. The body knows that it will certainly be saved somehow. The body knows. Cause within the body there moves a spirit that sings a song, although the brain can't hear it. And there's no need to fear it, no, you only have to sing along. Within the body there moves a spirit that sings a song, although the brain can't hear it. And there's no need to fear it, no, you only have to sing along. Within the body there moves a spirit that sings a song, although the brain can't hear it. There's no need to fear it No, you only have to sing along Within the body there moves a spirit That sings a song Although the brain can't hear it And there's no need to fear it No, you only have to sing along Because the body wonderful song by Micah Summersmith. It's called The Body Knows, and it's from his CD released just this past year, Goat Songs. And I'll have to ask you about that in a moment, Micah. Sure. But, but that song, is it's really wonderful. I love the line that you start out with, too. The brain invents new atheisms day by day. What did you mean by that? Well, for every religious experience, there is a response a denial, and every denial is different. And so there's not people who are atheists, usually people who are at least are very vocal atheists, come from a particular religious experience, and that's always different. But just in general, you can discount or refute or rebut any claim, any religious claim. You can have a response to that, and you can invent a new response day by day. You know, you have your hard facts that you can present. But an experience is still an experience. I think part of faith is trusting that the experiences that you're having are meaningful. That's the basic idea there. So then why did you call the album Goat Songs? So a little etymology lesson that I learned is that the word tragedy comes from a Greek word which means goat song or the song of the goat. And people aren't quite sure about the etymology, but there might have been some ritual that involved a goat somehow. So I'm not a scholar of ancient Greek, but I learned this. And it this was during a period when I was writing a lot of songs that were, well, I say 
a period as if it isn't my entire songwriting career, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but in this time, especially a lot of songs were focused on sort of, if not explicitly tragic, then at least not yay happy experiences. So I thought this, ooh, goat song and the phrase goat song, in addition to the ancient Greek, the etymological meaning, it just the connotations of this like, well, yes, human being, you are kind of just like a goat. Like you're just there bleeding. You're making a lot of noise. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so this particular song, The Body Knows, is actually one of the less dark songs on the album. There's some other. It starts off with a poem, which is called Goat Song, which is basically about how everybody is carrying around some kind of tragedy inside them. Well, you know what it made me think of uh, when you were explaining the Greek history to the word, the tragedy? It's the song, a folk song, Dona Dona. On a wagon bound for market, there's a calf with a mournful eye. High above him, there's a swallow winging swiftly through the sky. And it's kind of got that mournful and and happy side. Yeah, yeah. You know, my mom actually sang that song to me as a lullaby all throughout my entire childhood. And so I know that song really well. I would often stop and be like, wait, what's going on in this song? Like, yeah, we have this calf going to slaughter. And then it says like, don't be like the calf, be like the bird flying ahead. And there's a whole bunch to unpack in that song that I was just hearing as this lullaby from like three years old. <laughs> so there was no conscious connection there. But now that you mention it, yeah, I know that song really well. And it's interesting that, that you think of that as well when I'm talking about my music. I think there's some mind meld going on here. There That's we what go. It is. <laughs> Well, continue on with your Song of the Soul. What else you got to share? Sure. So I'll, I'll give you another song from Go Songs. It's called Song About Glass, and I think it's fairly self-explanatory. I sort of started with this metaphor, and I chased it kind of all the way to, if not a conclusion, at least somewhere that I thought maybe said something interesting. So the, the metaphor is about shining light through glass, and we can take a listen. And again, we're listening to Micah Summersmith's Song of the Soul, Song About Glass. If you shine a bright light through a sheet of glass or hard plastic, reveal tiny scratches and cracks like magic, what seemed a perfectly smooth surface proves to be etched with a record of every past accident, the scrape of a car key, the tap-tap of a wedding ring, the just passing by of some hard-edged anything, all leave their puny but permanent marks that you can barely feel, let alone see in the dark. Stands, right? I mean, it's scratched, but it stands. Doing its job, it's fulfilling our plans. As a flawed, yes, but fully functional friend. Maybe keeps the wind out, maybe keeps the warm in, protects us from the weather or whatever, or each other. Just clear enough, we can pretend it's not there. There's nothing between us but air. Man, we could reach out and touch each other if we cared to dare. Though usually we're happier to just sit and stare 
When we're content in this illusion of an intimate potential in all the connecting that we never get around to but could do if we wanted to for feeling sentimental, and we don't make contact, but someday we might, we really believe this till we shine that bright light. That's when we realize the truth. We see the walls around us, see how we're removed. We wonder who put them up. Was it me? Was it you? Was it some sadistic stranger we never knew? It doesn't matter. They're there. It's a truth you can't fight. It's a truth you reveal when you shine that bright light. What you see, don't blame the light for showing it. You don't like the truth, don't blame yourself for knowing it. But the fact of the cracks reveals what could be. If the glass can be scratched, and so easily, then the glass could be shattered. And maybe it should be. If, if, we, if we wanted to, we could pick up our hammers, start swinging, send spraying shards of silicate shrapnel. We could smash them, crush them till they're nothing but rubble. Then we drop our hammers, stand panting and seeing double. And yes, we will cut ourselves. Yes, we will bleed. And yes, we will have a brave new mess to clean. And we'll see each other in a way that we've never seen. And we'll be seen in a way that we've never been. And will we like what we see? Who knows? Lord knows. With the walls down, we'll be completely exposed. And it might be windy and it might be cold but when we need warmth we'll have each other to hold Music by Micah Summersmith. The name of the tune, Song About Glass, from his CD, Goat Songs, just released last year, 2015. So, metaphor, light. I mean, light is a metaphor I like, especially for the divine. Absolutely. God, whatever. I noticed in a couple of your songs that light comes up. Yeah, so I'm, like you, coming from a Quaker religious tradition where we talk about light all the time. We talk about the inner light as that which is from the divine and which is inside all of us. In this particular song, I'm talking about light, and I do think we can think about it like a divine light. And I talk about, in this case, light as illuminating the things that we don't 
particularly want to talk about or think about. In this case, it's the divisions between us. And I think a sort of fault maybe with the Quaker way of thinking about light sometimes is that some of us just think like, oh, yay, light. Light is great. We like light. Inner light, what does it mean to you? Hmm, yes, light. Light is great. But, you know, when you have light, you see things, and seeing things, really seeing things as they are, is not always easy or simple. It makes things complicated, and it gives you a lot to think about and to struggle with. Now, the song actually started because I was on a bus, and there was a headlight of another car shining through the glass, and it, you know, revealed the cracks in the glass. And I thought, well, like, that's interesting. And this idea of the divine light, which illuminates our faults and which illuminates the divisions between us and which sort of offers a solution to bringing people together, that actually came out of the process of writing the song. I do want to remind our listeners that they're tuned in to Song of the Soul, which is a Northern Spirit Radio production. We're on the web at northernspiritradio.org, where you'll find more than ten and a half years of our programs for free listening and download. You'll find connections to our guests. So when you want to get a hold of Micah Summersmith, also known in a pre-marriage condition as Micah Summer, you can find him on Bandcamp. You can find links mm-hmm. to him there. I'll have his Facebook link up there, too. Also on the website, there's a place to post comments. And we do love two-way communication. When you visit, click and post us a comment. Give us your feedback. There's also a place to donate. This work is 100% supported by donations, no corporate income. So please support Northern Spirit Radio with your donations. But even more important than that, though, I'd say, is to support your local community radio station. They're number one in my heart. They're bringing you a slice of music and news you get nowhere else. And it's so important to have those alternative venues on our airwaves. Again, Micah Summersmith is with us here today. He plays a lot of different instruments, does a lot of different styles of music. It's one thing when you're working with church musicians, another thing when you're producing something called goat songs, very different (laughs) styles. I love the different parts of your personality and your musical persona. So let's go right on with a lot more music of yours right away. So we'll listen to one or two songs here from my church choir, which I direct at the church that I work at. So you'll hear the choir singing, and you'll hear me playing the piano. And these are songs that I wrote in response to particular Bible verses that were being preached on on any given Sunday. So let's take a listen, and then we'll talk about them. So we're going to listen to two songs written by Micah Summersmith for the church choir he leads. Come and See is the first one, and then we'll hear right away When, Lord, When. These performed in Nina, Wisconsin at the Faith United Methodist Church.
said to us, Be gone from me, for I was hungry, and you did not feed me. I was thirsty, and you did not give me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you shut me out. I was imprisoned, and you left me forgotten. on Song of the Soul, you hear music that doesn't sound at all like church music. That, I think you could recognize, is taking place in a United Methodist Church. It's specifically Faith United Methodist Church in Nina, Wisconsin, where Micah Summersmith leads them up there. He's on the piano for that. And Micah, how long have you been doing that work with Faith United? 
I've been at this church for just over two years. And before I was there, I was at a small United Methodist Church in Illinois as the choir director. And before that, I was at another one as section leader in the choir. So I sort of stumbled into the United Methodist Church kind of by accident, but I'm glad I did. I've really appreciated the opportunities that I've had at each church that I've worked at. And I appreciate the sort of community and the kind of people that I've found there. You know, the kind of theology that you get at a Methodist church can be significantly different from what you get at a Quaker meeting kind of thing. You were mentioning earlier about a lot of Quakers maybe having too simplistic or too uh, Pollyannish maybe idea about light. If you actually read the early Quakers, they talk about the light exposing things within us. And it, just like you talk about the cracks and the flaws, all of that is illuminated by the light and enables us to mend and improve our behaviors. So it really isn't a very Pollyannish sense as it was dealt with originally. Mm-hmm. Though, you know, this little light, I'm going to let it shine. That's, <laughs> which isn't particularly Quaker. I mean, it's, oh, it's, we, we do that in my church, too. <laughs> it does get towards Pollyannish, though, right? This well, little light of mine, I'm going to let it expose my faults and yeah. endeavors and clean me up. You well, know? well, you know, there's a place for deep reflection and self-improvement in religion, of course, but there's also a place for joy, simple and uncomplicated joy. I think that's extremely important, especially in a religious setting. So I, I don't fault anyone for singing this little light of mine. Now, the two that we just listened to, Come and See and When, Lord, When, sung by the church choir, Is your theology with those songs, or is it your theology adapted to the environment that you're in? Well, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think it's really important for people to be in community with other people, and that means not saying, well, my personal theology, in a church setting, it means not saying, my personal theology is going to be what dominates here. So how these songs came about, the pastor at the church gives me his sermon plan for a month or two in advance, and it has the scripture texts that he's going to be preaching from. And so I read the verses. In this case, the come and see was from the book of John, John 1, 29 through 39. And then the other was from the book of Matthew, chapter 25. And so I read the verse, and I think, what's my response to this verse and what might be the pastor's response. I don't know exactly what he's going to be preaching on. And how can I present this in a way that's meaningful to me personally, and also to the congregation, and also to the singers? It's very important to me that it's participatory. That goes with both the practice, obviously we have multiple people singing, but also the theology. It's not just me proclaiming, it's me trying to explore what this means for everybody. You know, for me personally, Matthew 25 is a powerful passage of the Bible. I think it does such a good job of turning heads around because often religious, self-righteous people can say, you know, we're the good guys, they're the bad guys, they're not like us, the othering and all that. And Matthew 25 there does such a powerful job of saying, hey, wait a minute, (laughs) you thought they were just goats and you're a sheep, but hey, the mix is much different. By the way, we're back to goat songs there, right? (laughs) (laughs) There you go, exactly. (laughs) And yeah, it was really important to me. And both of these songs, both of these songs are about... Well, one is about Jesus and his disciples, and one is a story that he's telling about a group 
you know, the sheep and the goats or the righteous and the unrighteous. And it was really important to me to put us in the songs. So in Come and See, the choir sings, you know, when we saw the Lamb of God on the road, I put them in the role as the disciples. And in the song, When, Lord, When, from Matthew 25, we are the ones saying, well, hang on, was that you, Jesus? When were you hungry? When were you thirsty? What did we do? And it's easy to read, you know, anything in the Bible or anything. It's easy to read anything that says, do this or don't do that, and think, whew, I'm glad I'm not like whoever they're talking about, huh? Right? Whew. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, well, yeah, actually, uh, actually, maybe you are. So that's important to me to insert the singers and the listeners into the Bible text, because it's not just speaking to the people of 30 AD. It's uh, speaking to uh, everybody now and then. Yeah, it is. So you've got your life. I don't know how much portion of your life this is. I get the idea that you get some of your income as music director for the Methodist Church there. Some of it you get by busking at Mm -hmm. flea market. Are there other pieces to that? Or maybe you're a kept man. Maybe it's your wife supporting you. (laughs) She does have a full-time job, so I'm very lucky that we are a two-income or really a a one-and-a-half income household. (laughs) So yes, I do work part-time for the church And between the two of us, we are very lucky to have more than enough money to meet our needs. So I am very fortunate that I can basically do music as my career. And I know that a lot of people with a a very deep passion for music don't actually have the chance to pursue it as much as they would like to. Artists in general, and not even artists, just people with passions in general often don't have the opportunity to pursue those passions fully because of, you know money, that great, very inconvenient, highly necessary, very distressing thing that just won't leave us alone called money. So in this sort of weekly routine, and obviously a lot of us are governed by weekly routines, this next song that we'll play came out of a lot of that and came out of the aspirations for the kind of life that I want to live. And I started out by thinking, you know, how do I want to comport myself? How do I want to live my life? And I thought, wow, that's a really ambitious way of thinking. Like, how how do I want to live the rest of my life? What are my goals? And so I thought, no, I need to be smaller. What are my goals for this week? And so that's where this song came from. It's the last song on the album, Goat Songs, and it's called My Goals for This Week. I've made some goals for this week. These are my goals for this week. When I'm hungry and don't when I'm not Drink when I'm thirsty and don't when I'm not Sleep when I'm tired and don't when I'm not Run when I'm wired and don't when I'm not Smile when I'm cheerful and don't when I'm not Cry when I'm tearful and don't when I'm not Doubt when I'm doubtful and don't when I'm not Speak when I'm thoughtful and don't when I'm not And sing as long as there's breath in my body And dance as long as there's life in my bones And shine a bright light when I see a dark place in the world These are my goals for this week 
know all you listeners out there have been eagerly awaiting some real taste of accordion. My goals for this week by Micah Summersmith give you a good taste of it. It's really nice polka-ish. It's got that lively feel to it. So we've gotten a lot of taste. Now that one was from Goat Songs. Again, just came out last year. You'll find it on Micah Summersmith's Bandcamp site. It's micahsummer.bandcamp.com. And we got just a little bit more time here, Mike, and I want to get some more in. So how can we finish off your Song of the Soul? Well, when we talk about time as, you know, my goals for this week and making good with the time that we have, we'll do a song from my senior year of college. I had a basically a composition project and then a recital that I presented it at. And so we'll do one song that was from there and it's called Take the Time. And the words are a little bit difficult to understand because it's a choral a cappella polyphonic singing. So the, the text is, make the time to take the time to make your time worth taking. And then we'll listen to one more called Enough, and which is sort of similar to my goals for this week. I wrote it a number of years ago, but another reflection on needs and desires and how one wants to live one's life. And it's from a recording of yours, I think back from 2010, What Went Wrong, that's what Enough is from, and Take the Time. Are we going to find this somewhere? Yeah, this recording is a recording by the Earlham College Madrigal Singers, and Bill Culverhouse, who was my thesis advisor at Earlham, is directing it. The full set is Midnight Madrigals. You can find that and What Went Wrong on my Bandcamp site. So you can either go to Micah Summer, Summer is with an O, dot bandcamp.com, or you can go to just bandcamp.com and search for Micah Summersmith, and you should be able to find all of this music there. And one more note I want to mention about Enough. When I first heard it, I thought wait a minute, your voice is not as pronounced as it should be there. And you told me something about the intent and why you did it that way. Yeah, so if I remember correctly, I actually was between college and home going back and forth. This would have been junior year, I think, when I was writing these songs. When it came time to record the song Enough, I think that actually all I had was the microphone, the tiny omnidirectional microphone that came with the computer, the desktop computer that my parents bought in 1998. So not not a high-power, state-of-the-art thing. But I realized that, you know what, if I record the song on this little microphone, on this old upright piano that my parents have at their house, you know, it, it's not going to be good, but it might be good enough. So uh, I did feel like it was appropriate for this song to record it with whatever means that I had at the time. So we're going to finish off Micah Summersmith's Song of the Soul with two songs. One, it's being performed by the Midnight Madrigals at Earlham College. It's called Take the Time. And then we're going to finish. The last song will be Enough from his recording, What Went Wrong. And Micah, it's a delight to get to know you. Of course, it's been long enough since I've seen you. I imagine there are some good opportunities for me to run into you. I don't know that you go to FGC regularly or maybe even... I think it's going to be in Minnesota this coming year, and I am hoping against hope that I'm going to be able to make it. I'll look forward to it. As a matter of fact, maybe I'll have a live interview with you there. That would be fun. 
So again, Micah Summersmith, you'll find him on Bandcamp. Thanks for joining me for Song of the Soul, Micah. Thank you very much for having me. I want to mention that we had to excerpt some portions of this interview in order to fit it in this broadcast. So find some bonus portions at northernspiritradio.org, stuff on Micah's many experiences in a week, philosophy and how we figure out what matters, and where sacred harp singing happens, and more. Thanks to Andrew Jansen for production assistance today. Here is Take the Time, followed by Enough, and we'll see you next week for Song of the Soul.
theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy, let in the light, it will heal you. And you can feel you and sing out a song.